Welcome to episode 79 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy features conversations in Canadian theatre with artists of all stripes, from actor to director to playwright and more. If you want to drop me a line, I would love to hear from you. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. My guests this week are Caitlin Murrow and Sean Murray of Sex T-Rex. This is the third time that I've had Sex T-Rex on. I love talking to those guys. Now, Sex T-Rex are headed this summer to fringe festivals in Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Vancouver. They just finished a very successful Indiegogo fundraising campaign. And so we talk about that as well as their plans for the summer. Your, your, your Indiegogo has done pretty well. Yeah, we've reached our goal. Are we starting? Are we on? <clears throat> I'm just, um, you know, we'll cut out anything that doesn't, that doesn't work, but like, I like to yeah, sure. roll it. Um, you, now, you've done something that's kind of rare for a theater uh, uh, crowdfunding. Oh, yeah? I think, well, most never even come close to their goal. Oh, I, I'm not sure what the norm, it's, norm is. It's pretty rare. Like, a lot of times <laughs> yeah. I see... And also, part of it is, I think, that a lot of people misunderstand how to do crowdfunding. Right. Because uh, for a lot of theater stuff, it's like, for $10, well, thank you online. For $20, well, thank you in the program. You know, it's yeah. like crappy shit like that. But you guys yeah. have, like... Fun prizes. Fun perks that, that people... Yeah, yeah, like the, the pixelated profile pic thing, people just don't e- that don't even know us <laughs> have been reaching out like, how do yeah. I get one? Well, you donate to our campaign. Cool. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's been people that aren't even like familiar with. Yeah, some a few, a lot, <clears throat> most vast majority know us, <clears throat> but they're you know my my cousin who lives in Vancouver or Victoria uh, bought one, and then like a bunch of his nerd friends were like, "Where did you get that?" So we've had a few people nice. pop up on our yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's handy because it's viral, right? Yeah, of course. Because like if you if you buy the pixelated profile pic, then you make it your profile pic, then people are like, "What's that? What is that? Where did you get that?" It's, and yeah. we, that wasn't in the plan. That just no. was something that as it was happening, we were like, "Oh yeah, no, that works. That's really great." Everyone's changing their profile picture to these pixelated. Whose idea was was that? Because I mean, it, it sort of goes along with sword pre- with sword play. Well, that's why we did it. Yeah. That's what we're doing for our tour. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. We were jamming for so long. It was either you or me yeah, that came up with it. Indies. It's hard to hard to trace those things sometimes. Yeah, the sort of same brain happens when you yeah. spend so much time together. <laughs> How much planning went into like before the you launched the campaign? Shit ton. Quite a bit. Yeah. Plan. Yeah, like it, it's so much work um, to make the. We the, were originally going to launch it much earlier. We were going to launch it in mid-May or maybe yeah. early, early May. Oh, no, no, sorry. Mid-April, early April. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then we noticed that Indiegogo oh, has a, like, limitation March, on... March, because, like, we launched April. Oh, we did launch it April, April right. I'm mixing dates. But, I missed my deadline by a day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, Indiegogo has a limitation on how long the campaign can run. Right. It can only run for 60 days. Right. Where we were thinking like it's going to be this huge long haul, and we were all getting getting ready for that, mm. uh, but then noticed like, ooh, if we launch this early, it's mm. going to be so far off from when we actually do the thing yeah. that there's going to be a greater momentum if we wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Any so crowdfunding we, thing I've done, you always, you always find you want like that big swell at the beginning, yeah, and then you get a bit at the end, and and anything in between is sort of like gravy. So you, yeah. you can't do it too far in advance. There needs to be an urgency, but that fine line of like. I know people who were like doing their crowdfunding like while their show was still going on, which is just like yeah, it's not the best. So yeah, it's so rough. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that we had the money in the pocket because, of course, all all of our expenses like accommodations and fringe Mm -hmm. fees that are for our little little pocketbooks, huge, huge burden. Two grand for us is 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 so much money. Yeah, that we we wanted to make sure that we had the Indiegogo end before we had it out, so that we could pay off our credit cards. Yeah, um, so it was really important to us to have that done. Also, I like didn't want to be running it while we were no, because there's doing it, there's so shows. much that goes into it, and we're mm-hmm. such a small company that like there's only so much space you can take up with promotion, mm-hmm. and yeah. I want to be focusing as of June all of my energies on promoting our puppet show. Yeah. Uh, that we're going to be doing at the Toronto Fringe, and I didn't want to be spending all of 
our the limited amount of mm-hmm. time and energy people have to see us right. in terms of like our presence on social media. Yeah. I didn't want to over absorb, you know, oversaturate rather no. um, people's attention spans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, congratulations on, on hitting your goal. That's, yeah, that's we're cur- now we're at the stage where because Indiegogo takes a cut. Mm-hmm. We're at the stage now where I'm hoping that we get enough money that we actually get to pocket the five grand. Yeah. So now the push is like help us achieve yeah. enough uh, so that yeah, we, we actually we're not taking home forty five hundred yeah. like is what we would because our, our total grand our yeah. total uh, grand total was five grand. Yeah. Um, yeah. and we'd be taking home approximately forty five hundred. Yeah. Have you thought about uh, offering it like a stretch goal? Yeah, that's a, that's an option, but I I don't think it makes sense for us mm. with what we're looking for. Mm. Um, there's like there are all kinds of these like things that are associated with Indiegogo. Yeah. Um, this isn't actually the first time that Sex T Rex has done Indiegogo. We did one years and years ago as well. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve, mm-hmm. and it's changed so much since then. Yeah. Like uh, like Caitlin's uh, email is associated with the Indiegogo account, and it's just a flood. Of all these weird different <laughs> programs that are like, oh, send us this. Oh shit! Yeah, this. I know. Like, like there's you these vultures that, that like every day. Yeah, like if you've got something running, like they're just like pay us to get your thing funded, and it's just like go away. <laughs> who, who do you think we are? That yeah, we, can pay you? we don't need. We'll just take a small cut. Go away. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we're really lucky that. Like you said, you described the arc of it perfectly uh, earlier when you said that you start really strong mm-hmm. and then you dip down. Yeah. Ours absolutely did that. We had 20 days in a row without a donation <gasps> of the two mm-hmm. months. But at that point, we were three quarters of the way mm-hmm. to our goal. Yeah. So I wasn't worried at all. And yeah. We actually stopped advertising it all together because we had other shows and right. other things yeah. on the go. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like it, it really, when we started we started so strong out the gate. Yeah. We were at like three grand in a couple days. That's that's a really strong start. It was a really the strong start. And we were starting to question our <coughs> total of five grand. Maybe we should have asked for more. Because we do need more. I mean, the five. approximate uh, upfront cost. This isn't counting gas. Mm. This isn't counting food. Uh, for the tour is $15,000. Right. So this was a small chunk of yeah. our fundraising total. Um, I expect some of the money we will gener- generate with... Um, ticket sales but mm. I cannot expect to cover no. and all of those expenses and buy food yeah. etc so yeah we really um, yeah. pushed it at first and we were really really lucky at first that we got such a strong start because then our campaign was featured on a few of their like featured sites yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. yeah it was really important to us to, to be, be strong in the beginning and mm. I didn't really care much about the middle of the, mm. of the campaign we also had uh, we had good fortune in terms of our timing of our fundraising efforts here, like physical fundraising mm-hmm. efforts, because we had that really strong start out uh, with the Indiegogo, and then what would have been like two weeks after the Indiegogo started, we did our our fundraiser at Bad Dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was why that was entirely intentional. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it wasn't so, like, luck. The, crest, the waves yeah. sort of hit yeah. Uh, in, yeah. in tandem, and that fundraiser went very very well for us. Nice, very good. very well. Yeah, yeah it was it, we. We're expecting to raise a grand, and we raised two thousand five hundred dollars that nice. night. Yeah. Didn't, nice. Didn't hurt. That didn't does hurt. not hurt. No, it was. I like. I rem- we are uh, our, our, like live fundraiser. We kind of cross promoted. We were using the same puppet to promote both mm-hmm. to kind of give it the same aesthetic. But my goal was a thousand dollars that night. Mm-hmm. We had lined up the most incredible acts that evening, and I was so thrilled. And I thought like we could maybe achieve a grand with our silent auction and with door sales and that sort of thing we had a few other little nuggets of of fundraising opportunities and julian frid who's a company member agreed kind of (laughs) that if we reached a thousand dollars that he would let us pour a bucket of ice in his pants kind of inspired by the ice bucket challenge yeah but 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 like more torture but that's 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 kind of extreme. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, and did he think that, that he was safe, that there was no chance? He kind of did. Yeah. And, and yeah. we all sort of thought, like, this is this is a bit unachievable. Uh-huh. Like, $1,000 at Bad Dog. There's only 60 seats in that yeah. theater. Yeah. Like, even if everyone pays us 10 bucks, we're, we're not going to make $1,000 yeah. uh, to come in. And I was like, the silent auction, maybe. I underestimated everything by a lot. Mm. Um, we'd... Uh, so at intermission, we had an intermission in our show. We had far exceeded right. our goal. At intermission, we were at $1,800. Jeez. 
That's like, really good halfway through. Halfway through, right? Yeah. And um, we had a number of other initiatives to, to like raise money and so um, that were going on in tandem that I hadn't even accounted for. Uh, so at this point, I was like, Julian, we're... I have good and bad news. We are, <laughs> we are way over the goal. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, we have this in-joke about this green pointy hat. Mm-hmm. I won't go into it Which right now. Which I'm going to say, yeah. I was torn oh. as to whether or not to get the, hat. 20... the pixelated thing or the, or the hat. Just 50 torn. bucks, man. You get a little green hat. I was like, I was like uh... Sonia, the woman who just left, is making them for us. So you could have had your own handmade green hat. With, we don't have this. Oh, we should start promoting that. With a special note to Julia. <laughs> By Julian, explaining why this isn't funny. Why <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, this is not a real joke. But anyway, yeah, we have this inside joke yeah. about this sort of green pointy hat, a la Elf, in yeah, yeah, the movie right, Elf, right. I think. Yeah. With it's almost, it's pretty Harrow. much exactly the... It comes yeah. from that. It's a long story. It's not that funny a story. Don't need to go into it. But the point is, is that we've had this long-running joke about Julian wearing this green pointy hat. Mm-hmm. At one point, we actually made him a real green pointy hat. So we're going into the theater uh, about to do the second half of the show, and I give him the good bad news. And I said, Julian, what are the odds that I can get you to do it in the green pointy hat? He was like, no. I'm like, how much do I have to raise? He's like, I had a bucket in my hand. I had the the ice bucket in my hand. And I said, I'm going to get people to put money in this bucket. How much? He said, 100 bucks. If you can get people, which he, of course, thought was... Yeah, of course. What, like... People throwing two knees in a bucket. Yeah. He, he's like, there's no way they're going to reach 100 bucks like right now. So I was like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go for it. We'll try it. And I, I said to the audience, I said, okay, everybody, beginning of intermission. Intermission's over, beginning of second half. I have this bucket. We've reached our goal. Everyone cheers. And I was like, ice is happening. And I said, but if I get 100 bucks in the next minute in this bucket, Julian will do it wearing the green hat. People were throwing 20 into the bucket. We made, in no joke, 30 seconds, $150. Holy shit. People just were like, over here, like calling us over. And it wasn't toonies. They were throwing $20 bills. It it happened so fast. I think there were people who wanted to give us money that weren't able to because I couldn't get to them all the time. So Julian had the ice porn in his pants. Uh, with the green pointy hat Mm. oh it was a beautiful thing and there's some gifs and short videos and boomerangs (laughs) online now of him yeah um nice it it went it went really really well we had uh connor at the bar working Mm. the bar that night and we had one bucket that just said tips right a big sign that said tips and he was donating all of yeah the tips to the the campaign and we had another bucket that said bad advice from connor Okay. And so, and it was five dollars. Right. So people were throwing five dollars to get bad advice <laughs> all night long. Between the two, we made five hundred bucks. That's amazing. Between bad advice from Connor and tips, that's amazing. Five hundred, but like yeah. over just over. It was like five hundred and ten. Wow. And that's yeah, right. that. We had a tab running, and that's because uh, we bought all the acts beers, <clears> and <throat> it's we all drank as well. Yeah. After the tab, so it was actually more. So right. after we after expenses with. Connor Reed made five hundred ten dollars. Yeah, and it kind of speaks to two things at once. One, the most important thing is the generosity of the community that's around Sex T Rex, which blows us away. Yeah, uh, constantly. Uh, and the other thing is sort of what you were saying about, you know, uh, you can. It's it's easy to have a fundraiser stagnate uh, because mm-hmm. there's just nothing sort of uh, engaging yeah. about it. Like there's no way for the people. Like they can come in and they can hand the money in. But it's the reason that fundraiser was so successful and the reason I feel like the Indiegogo has been so successful is because there are these fun little angles yeah. that give people a way to engage with it. Like mm-hmm. like the bad advice thing is more fun than just like handing over a money into a the money into a pay what you can bucket. Yeah, or we absolutely. had we were we're selling off like mad libs for the improv set we were gonna do yeah. at the end. So like yeah, you get so to write in your little weird thing that's gonna blank happen. Blank gets to kiss blank. Right. And it was like sexy X member gets to kiss Sexy right, and right. so people were able to buy those cards yeah. for like two bucks or something. Yeah, they're, they're cheap and they're fun, and it's a way for everybody to get involved yeah. uh, with like with donating some money and also some other little bit of fun. Yeah, um, we had these little uh, Easter eggs because it was around Easter, where the plastic eggs you can open them and put something in it. Yeah. So we were selling those off as like mystery eggs. Some of them just had candy in them. Right. Some of them had two tickets to a show. Mm-hmm. Some of them had a beer beer sex t-shirt ticket up into them or something. <laughs> some of them had oh sex underwear. Yeah. We yeah. put the sex underwear in there. So some of them were 
uh, like the value was way more than what we were selling mm-hmm. them for, and some of them you get candy, so mm. you know, yeah, uh, we like generated a little gambling game you can play, you know, yeah. a couple hundred dollars with that, just like a little mm-hmm. little tiny opportunities mm-hmm. and fun games to engage in throughout the night, and yeah. achieved my far exceeded my wildest ex- expectations of that evening. I think yeah. that from you know your your Indiegogo and your your in person uh, fundraiser. One of the things that you've latched onto very successfully, I think, is the fact that people want a, to be a part of something, mm-hmm. and that's often for like crowdfunding. What I think a lot of people miss is that they want to be part of something yeah. in some way. <clears throat> and so instead of like you know, oh, we, well, thank you, or we'll give you a yeah, thing yeah. or your whatever, will be on like, this list with all the, yeah. with forty five other people. Yeah. And Instead, you know, you can have like. This you know the the pixelated thing which is part of the show or you can have this yeah. you can get a puppet you can like we tried to make all of the perks personal mm-hmm. none of the perks are uh, unrelated to what we do right so and we also all tried to have our own personal perk mm-hmm. um, so there's a date with Connor that yeah. Good question anybody anybody get the date with Connor so yes. Yeah. Uh, We've also been generating money that is not reflected in mm-hmm. the Indiegogo campaign because some people have approached us with some of the larger donations and we're arranging it outside of Indiegogo. Right. So someone is going to buy our $1,000 show. Oh, nice. That's not reflected no. in Indiegogo because mm. at this point we've achieved our goal and it feels a bit foolish to throw that on there yeah. and have Indiegogo take 10%. Mm. But that's, that's in the works. Yeah. But that is also to say that on like Indiegogo officially, two perks dates with Connor have been mm. claimed, but unofficially five have been. Okay. So, you know, his mom is for sure one of them, <laughs> who just desperately wants to spend time with her son, and now is contractually he is obliged <laughs> to do so. Um, and 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 uh, like and the people who have bought them online, um, one was a couple, like a lovely couple from the you know. Uh, Yes. Two, like a man and a woman who are married, Sally, long term. Sally Smallwood, who does people in chairs. Mm. And yeah. Cameron Algie, who is, they're both yeah. lovely improvisers and generous human beings. And they donated to our last campaign yeah, as well. Yeah, big supporters of People in Chairs a is a time. great improv yeah. blog. Mm. I would recommend anyone checking it out. Um, and, you know, so they bought a date just because of the fun of it. Yeah. And, and so they're planning their date now, and there's another secret date. I know who these two women are. <laughs> but there are these two. Women who bought and they've they've called themselves Connor's Angels and have started a uh, Instagram account, which would be creepy in other contexts. Which would be in any creepy, other context, that but would be creepy, and I really promised yeah. Connor like, no, I know who they are. They're super sweet, and but they've been kind of trolling him on the internet, like taking pictures of him at work. He works. He works at, yes. at Bad Dog at the bar. It's a very public place, and yeah. then like posting them on Instagram. Um, and I know them, and they're lovely, and it's all in good fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so people have bought that perk. Um, people bought, I had that puppet perk mm. for $500. We had one person claim that Julian's is the green pointy hat. Mm-hmm. We've had a few people claim that. And Sean, the biggest surprise was uh, day in the dungeon, which right. was, um, we have this show that we do called dungeons and dragons live. We're going to go do it. And You're doing like, this right at like a couple of hours. Like, right, as soon yeah. as we're done here, we're going to walk out the door <coughs> and go do that show. Nice. It's an improvised show. We've been doing it for a year and a half now. Well, way longer technically, but this iteration has been a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun time. We basically like have created a format that is ba- inspired by Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. the NPCs that are people and a dungeon master that's on stage with with us and mm-hmm. heroes and um and we also are nerds and play D and D in our own free time as well. And Sean here is a brilliant dungeon master. So we spoke with a community member who is a strong supporter of uh, all things improv, and we said. And he also has given generously to other Indiegogos, and we were like, "What can? How much would you pay? What What can we do? What like, do you, what, do you, what do, you do you want to give us money for?" And he was like, "I'd love to play Dungeons and Dragons with you." Mm-hmm. We're like, "How much would you pay for that?" And he said, two hundred and fifty dollars." So we were like, "Great, that seems absurd to us, but if even one person claims it, yeah, we're good to go. Two hundred fifty dollars—that's yeah. all we need for one for Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Like, that's more the money than we could have imagined for one night of Dungeons and Dragons." So we put that perk up. Four people claimed it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We made a thousand dollars. Nice. From Dungeons and Dragons. That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah. we awesome. played the other night with three of the four donors. One of them lives in Germany and you know <laughs> we'll uh, be we'll be more challenging. We'll be more challenging to arrange that. <laughs> we'll be a little bit challenging. Yeah. But seven hundred and fifty dollars worth of Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. 
because it, nice. it was mind blowing for good, all of us. It was a good session too. It was a really good <laughs> session. I almost cried at the end. Oh, that is a good session. <laughs> it was an amazing session. session. So that's also related to what we do yeah. as well. So we tried to make all the perks somewhat mm-hmm. uh, related to either the tour or who we are as a company or mm-hmm. jokes or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So this speaking of this is all to fund the tour. You're doing you're doing swordplay in uh, Winnipeg, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Edmonton, yeah, and Victoria, Vancouver, Vancouver. I knew it was one of the the V cities that are in like, British get, Columbia. I get yeah. them confused too all the yeah. time. Which of course will get me lynched if I you know. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. Uh, then because we're insane, we're also doing Wildcat in Edmonton. Are you doing both? We're doing yeah. two shows in Edmonton. Yeah, like, separately. Uh, yeah. Two different venues, or uh, uh, two different venues. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do two shows in Edmonton for funsies. Have uh, you have you guys done Edmonton before? No, they've been out west to any of the fringes. We or? did Winnipeg. Okay. Yeah. So it's a big. It's we're a really, big risk. We're really sticking our necks out, and that's part of why we decided we needed to do this fundraising mm-hmm. campaign. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because this is definitely the biggest uh, bite that Sex yeah. Direct has ever taken. Uh, uh, on the tour front, like last year, we challenged ourselves. We did a East Coast tour. Mm-hmm. We built our own tour our own outside tour. the Fringe Circuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, did the Atlantic Fringe and then stopped in a bunch of other cities on the way yeah. and sort of uh, just rented our own venues and stuff. Uh, and that was challenging, but worked out great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this tour is just like that, but in much. Uh, we're mm-hmm. sticking to the festivals this time, but we're going so much further than we went before. Yeah. Distance-wise, financially, like the the upfront costs are for us so daunting. Mm. Um, and you know, if we make zero money, mm-hmm. we'll be fucked. If we <laughs> make, but there is a chance to make money. Yeah, I mean, you guys have, in terms of like as groups traveling and as somebody like their reputations that people mm-hmm. have in the French yeah. circuit, even if they've never been to a city. Yeah, their reputations to be had. Yeah. And nice. you guys have been on the fringe circuit for a while doing different mm-hmm. different cities. Yeah. So yeah. Edmonton may be hungry yeah. for some sex T-Rex. But also, let's be real, they've never heard of us. There might be a few people in the improv community. Mm-hmm. There might be, you know, we, we have a few friends mm-hmm. uh, that are part of uh, Rapid Fire. Yeah. We have, um, that we've met throughout the years doing mm-hmm. other fringes and just improv festivals and and the like. But we're we are unknown. Yeah. We are, I mean, reputation aside, we can put all the stars and laurels mm-hmm. that we have and that we want on our posters, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm not fooling myself to mm-hmm. think that um, we don't have to earn our reputation there as well. Right. No, Everywhere we've gone, <clears throat> we have to earn it. And I, even though this show, Swordplay, has been a hit in other cities, I don't assume it's going to be a hit. I don't assume Wildcat's going to be a no, hit. You, you can't. Because every fr- every time you go to a fringe, anytime you're starting from zero again. Yeah, and but uh, first pack of all it takes is one reviewer to see our show on the first opening night. Oh shit! Yeah. Hate it. Yep. Write a bad yeah. review and we're screwed. And it, it so I, I don't yeah. I do not ever anticipate us. It's going to be succeeding. A hustle, yeah, we I, I assume we're going to have to work our asses off. Even though we did Winnipeg in 2014, mm-hmm. man, that was 2014. People have forgotten about us already. There is <clears throat> um, memories. There, I mean, people have have long memories. Yeah. But uh, in terms of but, Sex T Rex mm-hmm. as a brand, mm-hmm. they might remember Wildcat, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. But they they might remember that Western show that was funny or something right. if we're lucky. Yeah. But the Winnipeg is entire almost entirely uh, uh, an older audience, mm-hmm. and um, they're they're probably not as interested in our like video game. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the nice thing about Swordplay is that it has a very large reach generationally because we kind of get the classic theater-going crowd with that kind of Errol Flynn vibe or like this does kind of look like a stage show. Yeah. The puffy shirts and Mm -hmm. the monologuing and so on. But then go for the like college kids with uh, the Super Nintendo angle. Let's be real. We're talking more early career kids at this stage. Yeah. I don't think the college kids even uh, well like let's see they they probably entered the world in video games with you know the GameCube being the True, like oldest the, most yeah, retro like, like thing they played. Games and sixteen bit yeah. games are PlayStation popular, One are still popular yeah. nowadays mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, with the dawn of dawn of indie gaming that happened twelve years ago. Yeah, <laughs> the dawn of <laughs> indie gaming. But yeah, no, I mean. 
both Winnipeg and... What are you doing in that time between Winnipeg and Edmonton? <laughs> Great question. Okay. <laughs> Currently, the plan is to live in the woods and hunt for our food. We... Uh, oh, well, you know that, that you might not be the first fringe group to... No word of a lie. Um, my, my secret plan, we haven't actually solidified anything yet, is to find a cabin, mm-hmm. rent it or something. Yeah. And just and write a show. Writers, no, we have yeah. a show in mind that we want to work on. It's a bit different from anything else we've ever done, and I think that it would be a really cool opportunity to challenge ourselves to write a show in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're going to be writing the show Crime. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, that's my plan. We'll mm-hmm. see if it happens or not. We may just like end up spending the two weeks just having a time yeah. but hopefully we'll, we'll make up a productive you time might, I've, I've seen you know when I was on a tour we weren't sure because we had that same space yeah. yeah we did a we ended up doing a BYOV in, in Calgary but we had considered like can we like do like workshops with people mm-hmm. from like different from Winnipeg from wherever yeah. we yeah. thought about that yeah. too it, it you know, the chances of us getting a workshop are good. We could probably do in in both Winnipeg, Winnipeg and Edmonton like a two day workshop. But I mean, realistically, yeah, spending our time in a city for that amount of time mm-hmm. is going to be so costly. Yeah, it is. And costly. the workshop might generate a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, like at the end of the day, yeah. I would love to try to make that happen while we're in those cities, but. I don't. I don't really see that yeah, as being yeah, overly it's, realistic. It's certainly yeah. a helpful uh, thing, but it's not. It's not the be all and end all. No. But and like, talking about Calgary uh, BYLV, like we fought tooth and nail to try to get uh, into Calgary and Saskatoon, mm-hmm. which are the two uh, fringes that are in between. But there's such it's such a strange beast the way the tour is set up now because you've got Winnipeg, which is quite a large fringe. Yeah, and then it <laughs> gets put through this. Uh, meat grinder for lack of a better term for a little bit and then you you pop back up for the big fringe of Edmonton yeah and Calgary like we were we were involved in a like lottery like we, we submitted to be uh, BYOV in Calgary Calgary's not well, we big. submitted to Calgary fringe didn't get in yeah, submitted we submitted to, to BYOV submitted yeah. to BYOV but it's and it's not a big fringe and eventually, like, a space came up that was, like, upstairs at a Mexican restaurant. And they're like, I know, you know the they're, restaurant. they're still yeah. going to be eating while you're performing. Yeah, yeah. There's only 40 seats, and that's not including those who just happen to be customers. And you, and yeah. you they're going to keep serving and talking through your show. And you're going to be, like, in a bucket with 20 other companies that want I thought it was 50. spot or something like that. And it's just like, wow, yeah. that's the competition for yeah. upstairs at the Mexican restaurant. Yeah. And the stage has no backstage. It's yeah. like, I can reach my arms out and touch but that's, the, but that the just, stage right, stage left. Yeah. It just goes to show how desperate people are to fill that spot in between. We yeah. could we could easily like do an will, improv show on something. We, should, like we yeah. probably wouldn't do swordplay there, no. but we could do, we you know. Just, like, find a, a clearing in the woods equidistance between Winnipeg and Edmonton and yeah. start our own fringe festival. Yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is that hunger because, you know, there are only those two yeah. when you're doing that circuit. If you're, you, you, can, you can do one or the other and they're not huge. Yeah. And there's people got to do something. Start up the Red Deer Fringe. The or Red Deer Fringe. <laughs> the, 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 the this yeah. cabin in the woods <laughs> fringe. Everybody yeah. wants, wants to do a show. Come on out. Do the yeah. Fort McMurray Fringe. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. kind of a city. Yeah. Um, but it, you're doing something different in Toronto. You're not doing. Oh. Oh, you're not doing a Wildcat. You're not doing. You're not doing swordplay. What What are you doing? We're not doing Toronto? an action-packed physical comedy. We are doing a puppet rom-com set in a tavern. Yeah. Okay, you you have to you have to tell me how this came about. <laughs> it's kind of a it's a show that we technically oh uh, this is a remaking started. a total total rewrite of another show mm-hmm. that we we produced sort of in 2012 like it, produced is a you, a strong word mm-hmm. worth worth saying that the drive for how this came to be was us not getting into Toronto Fringe. Mm-hmm. And then Toronto Fringe, of course, doesn't do BYOVs like no. many other fringes do. They do the site-specific thing. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get drawn in the lottery for Toronto Fringe, your only recourse is something site-specific. Yes. So with that having come up... <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Throw the ball <laughs> uh, Yeah, so with that, I was devastated not to be part of the Toronto Fringe. I feel like we've started to gain some momentum in the mm-hmm. community, and it's so hard as an independent artist to gain anything yeah. that I would call momentum. And by momentum, I just mean people come to our show now. Yeah. Like, people came to Wasteland, and, and that was great. But when we first started in Toronto Fringe, we were dealing with 20, 30, 40. 50 was a big crowd yeah. for us yeah. in a 180-seat venue. Um, and we've come a long way. Now we can sell out a 200-seat venue 
not every night, but most nights, mm-hmm. like we're still not there yet, yeah. but we're, we've come so far and I was devastated to have missed out on the momentum of that. Um, and I really wanted to do something as part of the Toronto fringe. And my first thought was, well, there is site specific mm-hmm. and in my closet, I have this puppet show. It's it, which originally was thrown together. I um, there used to be this competition at Comedy Bar called Pilot Week, mm-hmm. and and Pilot Week is a or was a really really cool cool opportunity for comedians in the community. Um, Comedy Bar teamed up with Insight Productions, which is a big television production company in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they were looking to kind of move into doing comedy. Normally they do a lot of uh, reality, reality TV. TV. Like yeah. they produced The Great Race, I think. Mm-hmm. The, the Amazing, Amazing Race. Race. And uh, they did, you know, a lot of those kind of American-branded shows. And, right. you know, like Canada's Got Talent or whatever. But not that. But, you know, those, those kinds of shows. Um, and they... Uh, basically you had to submit a pitch for uh, a pilot. A TV pilot. Mm. It was like 20 minutes long or something. Like a, like a half hour TV pilot. Okay, yeah. It was a comedy thing. So we submitted, uh, barely got into the deadline, and we submitted for a puppet show set in a cafe mm-hmm. called Bendy Sign Coffee. Um, Which originally was all about, at the time, Caitlin worked as a barista in a cafe mm-hmm. and just <clears> like basically recorded all of the berserk characters that were associated with this and mm-hmm. that was like, this would make a great comedy. Not like yeah. specific people, but the, the archetypes of the characters that come in. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, the businessman who comes in and is yelling into his phone and then like ignores you completely and whispers his order at you and keeps talking. Yeah, you know, yeah. I have questions about what kind of coffee. And, yeah. You know, like, and, and that evolved into this show. So we got selected to be part of the competition. We ultimately won. Mm. Um, it was like, Big deal at the time, five thousand dollars, and we got to go to all these pitch meetings with like comedy. Yeah, and it was a really cool opportunity for us and for me. It wasn't even a sex T Rex show at the time; it was sort of my foray into comedy. Yeah, and it it was a really great thing. And you know, nothing really came of it, but I learned a lot. We got money, Uh, and then the show's been sitting in the closet ever since. We produced it once in a cafe for two nights. Mm And it went really well. We packed the house. It was really fun. But this is, we're talking like a 25-minute piece. Yeah. Right? That was set in a cafe. So I'm thinking, okay, I have this cafe show, site-specific. Let's do this. We can ramp it up. We can ramp it up to an hour. No problem. Cafes didn't work out. We wrote out to a number of cafes, and nothing was really working for us. But then this tavern worked out. Uh, The Paddock, which is on... Um, Bathurst just set the Queen, mm-hmm. amazing location. Yeah, and we wanted to, so we thought, well, let's do it. And so we thought, no problem. This show can happen in a tavern. We just mm-hmm. change a few things. No, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. nothing worked. You can't have someone come in, order one thing, and leave. Someone come in, order one thing, and leave. No. Which was kind of the game of the old show. Right. So we found ourselves in this situation where we had to completely rewrite. Uh. Everything, like everything. There's, there's nothing we can use right. from the old show. There we're using the same lines, puppets, <laughs> maybe the odd lines. So now we're like scrambling to write mm. this entirely brand new, whole entire show for the Toronto Fringe. Um, you can't see where we are if you if you are listening to this podcast. But my Phil has come to our apartment that is a disaster zone because I've got this like fly that's half built sitting next to me, and my glue gun that I just unplugged, and just foam everywhere and and we're still yeah mm-hmm. it's it's uh, been a lot to bite off a lot more than we thought well you there's like you're doing preparing for like two separate shows yeah that's, <coughs> i guess three technically if you can if you count the wildcats happening in uh, edmonton, in edmonton. Yeah. well and we're rehearsing so we originally were going to go on tour with someone who knows wildcat and swordplay <coughs> intimately <coughs> and he dropped out of the tour right kind of last minute okay so not only are we now producing this brand new show, which is a surprise to us, yeah. for Toronto Fringe, we are also rehearsing a new person in comedian the into Swordplay and Wildcat wow. at the same time. Yeah, and he's got to learn Wildcat and then not do it for one Fringe, and then 
we'll go to Edmonton and he'll be doing both. Maybe so. you guys can have a refresher while you're yeah. in that cabin yeah, in, in the, the woods cabin. hunting yeah. for your that, own food. That's, that will be that is. It'll be like method acting yeah, for shit wildcat. for exactly. wildcat. <laughs> yeah. It's true. We will be out on the plains just like <laughs> lost without a home and yeah. we may as well get a covered wagon and just yeah, go exactly. full method. Oh shit. You know, you put like a sex T-Rex sign on the side of your covered wagon like, yeah. like stopped in little towns and like did a little show. Yeah. Like, Feed our horses oh, and like totally like do like an old-timey thing. I can make a tonic that I could sell or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shit, that'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's turned... We have definitely... I wouldn't say bitten off more than we can chew, but we sure have a mouthful mm. right now. In terms of the writing this new show, um, or, like, rewrite... Like, <laughs> This new show. Yeah, um, so completely you, different. <laughs> are you finding that the writing process for this is different from the writing process that you've, done, used, that you, you've used in the past? Yeah, it's definitely different than previous shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like previous, uh, most of our shows, like our scripted shows, are very uh, clear genre uh, parodies. Yeah. So like our scripted shows at this point are Callahan, uh, which is very much like Indiana Jones mm-hmm. kind of inspired, Leviathan, which was our sci-fi show that nobody's seen because it was only produced in Montreal, really, uh, and then uh, Wildcat, Swordplay, mm-hmm. and Wasteland more recently, where Wildcat is Western, Swordplay is the swashbuckler, and Wasteland is this post-apocalyptic show. Yeah. But they all have these like very big genre connections, mm-hmm. and they're they're all also action shows. Uh, so Bendy Sign is very different, both in that. Like, well, it is a genre piece, you could say. Like, it's kind of a romantic comedy. It's, it's like a sitcom rom-com. Okay. It's like a sitcom rom-com. But that is, like, a sitcom is not a genre that you can sink your teeth into in the same way that you can sink your teeth into Western no. or, or post-apocalyptic. There's not those things everyone looks for. Like, in a Western, it's like, where's the tumbleweed? Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. where's where, the hanging? Where's <clears throat> the hanging? Yeah. Or whatever. And, and Where's the quick draw? Where's the quick draw? Whereas, like, a uh, rom-com is, like... Also... Uh, if anyone who's listening has seen any of our shows, I mean, we're not the best at romance. We have no, our strengths. We tend to avoid it as a we subject. We have our strengths and we have our weaknesses. Um, and <coughs> writing a romance is like we sword play. Spoiler: um, there is sort of a romance thrown in at the very, very, very end mm-hmm. that we have tried to cleverly hint at through the whole show, but it's not a romance show, right? No. Um, That, I mean, I guess Callahan, our first show, there's a bit of a romance in there too, but other than... It's more love lost. It's more love lost, like dead wife, missing my dead wife, Mm -hmm. than it is like the story of two people falling in love. Right. Um, And this time we're gonna have a love, like a... Basically, boring ass heteronormative <laughs> love story, for lack of a better term. Um, just we have these puppets already built. We have these characters mm-hmm. already built. Even based on the old narrative, there was like, if the show ever went to air, if it ever because it was a pilot episode, if it ever had a life beyond that pilot, I think that that love story was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. So we thought that that would be a great way to um, flush out this story, as it were. So it's a challenge for us to be like, we've been watching, we watched, what was it, High Fidelity? Fidelity. We've been trying to be like, what are these workplace romances like? How do we build this? And what are the beats of that? What Mm. are the... That's that's sort of our normal process is that we all get together and we watch, you know, Mad Max and like Boy and His Dog and The Quiet Earth and all these like post-apocalypse shows. And we're like, cool, these are the things that we see all the time. So we have to have this. And what do we think is like the next, what's the spin on this that we can put and that sort of thing. But uh, with this, uh, with this show, it's been harder to like have the mountain of source material. I genuinely don't like rom-coms nine out of 10 (laughs) times. So, I mean, and it's it's not. It's like I also genuinely don't like sports movies nine or mm-hmm. ten times. Yeah. But one of our projects in the future will be a sports movie, and I I, I love. I, I think I'm going to thoroughly enjoy doing a sports movie. But it's 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 one of those genres that researching for it is less fun. Um, and rom com is the same. I'm going to genuinely enjoy doing a rom com, mm-hmm. but it 
it is harder to research because I have to sit through the notebook and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't wanna. <laughs> really? Do you feel like the notebook is one that you absolutely have to watch? I haven't watched it yet, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. But I've been putting it off. Um, I, well, the notebook, I don't know. What are, yes. what are rom-coms? What are these things that people watch that they, like, what are good ones? I don't even know. I've Googled it and I'm like, I haven't seen or heard of any of these movies. <laughs> I would much rather watch movies where people are shooting each other than mm. kissing and... Um, Is there anything that you guys have learned about rom-coms that you didn't know? Yeah. That, yeah. Well, there's these beats like that, you know, beating out how, like, the stages mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the initial, like... There's all kinds yeah. of different... Meet-cute. Love stories. Yeah. And, um... This this one is character A is in love with protagonist. Protagonist has no idea. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the and and slowly throughout, he slowly unveils his mm-hmm. his feelings. Right. Right. Um, which is our spin on the narrative. Normally, it's the other way around. Yes. Like dopey man doesn't know that woman is in love with him. Yeah. We thought like wouldn't it be fun if the woman was the total dope and the man is doing all the emotional supporting and the mm. man is doing all the like sort of you've got this. Where normally it's the other way around. So we have this, like, dopey female protagonist who has no idea about anything that's going on around her. She's, like, smart and capable and talented, but is just socially and emotionally entirely dopey and oblivious. We have this, the man who's, like, there is a scene where he's just like, I'm in love with you! And she's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't hear you. Anyway, I'm going to go do that thing I was talking about. (laughs) So it's it's been fun to sort of like prod that genre in the same way that we prod the other ones for for where the twists are. And basically the twist, we're not doing a huge twist. The big twist is just that like... They're puppets, I guess. Well, they're puppets. (laughs) And watching puppets kiss is fun. Um, But it's also just that they're like... The the narrative is a bit flipped in terms of who the mm. what the man you know the man and the female male and female role usually it's this like I'm sure there must be rom coms that have done this before oh I'm sure them, my I have yeah. such a shallow understanding of most rom coms and we're also writing some original music oh that's that's cool oh boy <laughs> we're but we're we're dipping our toes into all things unfamiliar <laughs> for this project that's, that's <laughs> the other thing about this is that we want it to have a bit more of a cabaret feel right uh, mm. like. Most of our shows are, are pretty, like, story-driven. Like, like contained uh, story-driven. Yeah. Like, the action starts pretty much right at the get-out, and you know what the deal is, and we go on this quest mm-hmm. sort of deal. Uh, whereas Bendy Sign is more about, like, you know, the audience is going to be sitting in this tavern, getting served drinks by a puppet. Like, you can order a beer from the puppet, and the puppet brings you the beer. There's puppet sports on the TV. There's puppet sports on the TV. <laughs> oh, okay. And, like, we want it to feel more like you're just sort of, it's a day in the life of this weird world of mm. the puppet bar. So there's more stuff about, like, okay, there's this through-line story, but meanwhile, suddenly we're going to cut away, and it's the letters from the set of Sesame Street, and they're like, Having oh, God, day. what a X. fucking day. <laughs> X is complaining about how there's no work for him anymore, <laughs> and, like, and then we have, you know, like, the sandwich, uh, the sandwiches that are, like, Schindler's List trying to, like... Yeah, that's a complicated joke. <laughs> the sandwiches are, like, or, this is one sandwich the is sandwiches ordering all the sandwiches so that they can, like, all leave together in this, like, a covert sandwich operation. <laughs> we have, so there's all these, like, there's, you know... There's a lot of vignettes that aren't little vignettes attached yeah. to the main that story. That are, like, kind of gags mm. in and of themselves. And, and we are hoping for every show to feature uh, a different fringe show. Okay. So we're hoping for each show to be able to book... Like a walk-on. A walk-on fringe show. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh my gosh, it's so-and-so from this fringe show. And do like a little mini interview with them. That's good. That's 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 fun. I think it's going to be much more relaxed than a lot of our fringe shows. Like less highly choreographed, Mm -hmm. but a lot more, you know, like Sean was saying, improvise-y cabaret. Well, if you're in a BYOV, you don't quite have that enforced... Bombast. Yeah, you also don't have that... We don't have a tech. We don't have someone mm. who's going to be like. Yeah, Maybe going to shut you down at like if you hit that, you go over that. They will. They will. They still will. will. They? Yeah, okay. I think because mm. the fringe audience needs to run to their next show. That's true. Yeah. Right, That's and true. and I want to honor that, and no, I don't want to go yeah. over. Um, but be, I think this show will be a lot more loose, just in its its. There will be a puppet serving drinks throughout. Mm-hmm. It's not as much of a like sit and focus mm. kind of show. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so weaving that into this sort of new genre, and it has led to a very different uh, writing process, um, mm. where 
like uh, normally our process is like I say we all get together we like uh, dive into the source material whatever genre it is mm-hmm. and then we go off and usually I write the like uh, of the first take on the script right. uh, and then like we smash heads together on it again and change things and cha- and it gets uh, very like chopped to pieces mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the process uh, but this time because it's like it's so different in terms of it not being based on the story and it being mm-hmm. based on all these little vignettes. And, like, you know, I'm, I am I have a, a mind for absorbing genre, but mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of, like, jokes about working in a bar, whereas, like, Caitlin works in a bar, mm-hmm. Connor works mm-hmm. in a bar. Um, you know, Julian knows what Tinder is. Um, <laughs> like, right. I, I'm, I've been finding myself more outsourcing things of, like... Right. Like, uh, can you guys, like, tell me what the jokes are for, like, the Tinder scene? Or, like, yeah. what, what are the jokes about, like, people watching sports at bars? I mm-hmm. don't I don't go to bars and watch sports. And I can't just, like, watch that on Netflix. Yeah. Are you the, the primary uh, scriptwriter, like, the starting off? Uh, he is the our scriptwriter. Yeah. Right. There are no primary about it. Sean okay. writes all of our scripts. Yeah. Um, the... It is collaborative insofar as, like, we all have input. Mm -hmm. And we will all collectively edit Mm -hmm. Sean's scripts. um, And we will all improvise in the the room and throw in jokes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the the stories change a lot over the course Mm -hmm. of the process. But the the first uh, script is usually me, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, entirely Sean. Always Sean. And And do you... Do you guys all get together and say, this is going to be our next thing? Like, we're, now we're going to write this sports play? Or do you say, I think I want to write a post-apocalyptic no, it's play? it's more the f- former than the latter. Mm. I, yeah. I tend to be the one who goes out and <laughs> comes up with ideas and like, <laughs> guys, we've got to do this. And they're like, no, Caitlin, you're an idiot. And then eventually I convince them. We all, sort of, <laughs> we all like, Callahan was a long process because it was something that we did with improv for a mm-hmm. long time. And then we decided we wanted to write a script. Uh, after trying to do it as an improvised show at Ottawa Fringe and just be like, this is a terrible idea. Let's write a script and make it good. Uh, and then science fiction was a very logical second choice for a genre. Then Caitlin saw Cat Bayou. What's it? Cat Baloo? Cat Baloo. Uh, and was like, now we're doing a Western. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is, this is, I've never seen a female protagonist in mm-hmm. a Western. And I mean, now I have seen a bunch of it, but at the time, uh, this is way back in mm. 2013. Oh, the old days. <laughs> in the olden days. Mm. And, um, so some, sometimes something just happens that just spurns us mm-hmm. off. And like like when Mad Max Fury Road came out. We were all like, we were all just like well, yep. we're doing yeah. that. A uh, sword yeah. play was harder. We all sat around and jammed ideas for the longest time about what genre we were going to do. Um, and nothing was clicking until someone said, we thought, well, what have we've? What weapons have we fought with already? You know, we haven't fought with swords. Yeah. Someone said, and, and I wasn't convinced by Three Musketeers until someone said uh, Princess Bride, and I was like, oh, mm. yeah, something like that, mm. whimsical and yeah. fantasy yeah. with swords, and, and it sort of started from us trying to write mm, something that was more of an ensemble piece than we had done before. Mm-hmm. Like the general formula for most of our shows is that there's a, a hero and their buddy. And, right. and they kind of go through... This story. ended up being here one buddy, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of play wound up going down to that, because ju- just our cast size kind of mm-hmm. demands that yeah. that's what happens. But we started with the idea of, like, maybe we'll do, like, a superhero team or something like that, like something like the Avengers or something like that. And we're also talking about, like, let's do, like, a fantasy thing, because we all are doing this Dungeons & Dragons stuff. We all know the world of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Three Musketeers sort of seemed to be the hit that kind of satisfied a lot of things at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Three Musketeers isn't doesn't sound that cool, so the, the Princess Bride made it sound kind of more fun. I think. Yeah, yeah, and like the Western, I had been like, guys, let's do a Western. Guys, let's do a Western. And they were like, no, 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 no. And then we were being interviewed on a radio show. And they were like, what's your next project? I was like, a Western. <laughs> she got it. And so it was. Um, and then we have a, like the same thing with the sports movie. I every time we're like, what are we doing next? I'm like, sports movie. And they're all like, "Go to hell, Caitlin." Um, but we will. Are you gonna do like a? Oh yes. Uh, like a, a, a music biopic. Oh yeah, like a oh. like a Ray or yeah, just like just a Ray follow. Or something. What's that guy's name who does Princess Bride? He did. Uh, he did. Uh, oh shit! Um, Rob Reiner. No. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Wasn't is it Rob Reiner or was You're it? You're thinking of Spinal Tap. Right? Yeah, he did Spinal yeah. Tap, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. But all yeah, Spinal so Tap. So the Spinal Tap. Also, uh, Christopher Guest. 
Oh yeah, he mm. does a lot of that's what I was thinking yeah, of. He's in Mighty he's Witness. A common... Yeah, he's like does the thing. Well, just yeah. that that Rob Reiner did Princess Bride, yeah. and then oh, did you could do all the all did the Spinal Rob Tap, Reiner which things, was right? yeah. which was a bio music yeah. comedy biopic. Yeah, um, I feel like like yeah, I don't know. I'm never I'm not going to say no because I've been get, so been gunning to do this sports movie, but I think that that is the like if we ever get a grant kind of project, like it's it'll a bigger, be a larger, bigger not necessarily project, fringe yeah. focused project. Yeah. Needs um, a bit of a bigger cast. Is there a sport that you would focus on? No, I think it would be an an, an, uh, uh, an imaginary sport. Okay. Yeah, I think it would be like the the, the name of the show will be Remember the Sports Team, mm. and. The sport is not the point. Mm. It's, it's it's more about the like Melodrama. more about America. <laughs> <laughs> America is the metaphor, you guys. Uh, now is <laughs> not the time. Yeah. Well, oh, it's maybe it is so the time. Maybe it is the time. I mean, it, Canada. I mean, it, but the, that it's all idea. About the Canadian dream. It's all about the Canadian dream. Yeah. Every red-blooded Canadian boy wants to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the joke. And but the next I think the next project we're going to do is crime. Mm. Yeah. Or looking at doing kind of a cuz people have often had a hard time pegging the, what the style is that we have. Like mm-hmm. we get called sketch a lot, yeah. uh, which is not really what we we no. do. Most we of the also time. sometimes people call our scripted shows improv, which is yeah. wildly inaccurate. Yeah. We get called, you know, improv. in in major publications not naming any names. Uh, our scripted shows have been called improv. Well, uh, a, a number of times. I guess because they're comedy, mm-hmm. and because they are, I think people mistake them because of the you know their genre, their comedy. People mistake it for an improvised. Yeah, but it's Riverdale it's, or whatever. But it's are, it's there so are there are there are moments that are looser, and mm-hmm. we build it so you know this moment mm-hmm. is loose, that moment is loose, but it's tight yeah it's tightly choreographed no one can improvise that stuff i mean oh we just happened to improvise this complicated dragon sequence no like come on (laughs) please god give us credit enough to say that we've (laughs) choreographed this i mean i'm flattered in one way that people think that's improvised but Mm -hmm. it's it's not true it's not a lot of what we do is not improvised Mm -hmm. um and a lot of what we do is improvised we do but those are separate shows Yeah. yeah and to and to call those shows Sketch, we can't get into sketch fests with them because they're too long. Yeah. And they don't actually fit the definition of sketch. They're this, like, they're yeah. plays. Yeah. They're, they're hour long sketch like plays. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the new show comes in. Oh, yeah, we're just going to do sketch. Yeah. Oh. Kind well, of, yeah, kind we're gonna, of. We're going to basically kind of do like a, I've been describing it as like a grindhouse kind of thing. Like, our hour long show will be three separate stories. Mm-hmm. And also we'll be able to explore genres we've always wanted to explore, but not necessarily to the length, to the extent that a full hour-long play would involve. We don't necessarily want to do a full hour-long noir. But we really want to try to do noir. Yeah. So we we think we've been we've been kind of in love with that genre for a while, and and so this will be an opportunity for us to build three shorter versions of what we do. And um, so we'll do a noir, we'll do a heist, and we'll do a buddy cop. Mm-hmm. These are three genres I'm passionate about, but mm. I can't see it as a full right. sexy Rex show. Right. Um, and, and it'll give us an opportunity to create those shows, play with those genres, and um, have an option to do them as a 15-minute one-off. Right. So we could do sketch fest. Right. We can do sketch festivals with one or mm-hmm. two of them mm-hmm. because they're shorter requirements. They're short yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sean, you haven't been here for any of the other times that I've spoken to. to yeah, sex I guess I've just missed them. Just missed machinations just, of fate. Yes, uh, I almost said Pokeroo, but um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, anybody who doesn't live in Ontario is yeah. Uh, I've heard the reference. Yeah, Neither I've, of us. I've yeah, exactly. As soon as I said, I, I was like, "This is not gonna. This is not gonna work." But um, your what is your? I've talked to most of the other members of uh, of the group about their background in theater and where oh, yeah. they come from, but I haven't had the chance to ask you. Um, where do you, What's your theater background? When did you start doing it? Um, the, the, the basic story is, uh, well, I'm from New Brunswick, uh, and so that's where I started doing theater there. 
uh, and just started with like high school musicals as uh, many people do, although I cannot sing. Uh, and that was always a problem at the high school mm -hmm. musicals, but I enjoyed being a goof, so I, there was always some place for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did theater in university with uh, TUNB, uh, and particularly with uh, my theater guru there was a guy named Len Falkenstein, uh, and he's got a company called Theater Free Radical mm -hmm. uh, that occasionally does the fringe circuit and things like that. Uh, uh, and like a lot of the like my sensibilities came from uh, that world uh, where he had like minimalistic theater and like very a lot of like abstract stuff, but uh, very like political theater. So you know, uh, my first fringe festivals, I was like you know popping out of an oil drum and talking to people about terrorism in Alberta and stuff. Um, and that's obviously not the kind of theater that uh, Sexty Rex mm -hmm. is. Uh, but some of those elements of like how to tell a story certainly still survive in mm. my uh, theatrical imagination and like finding fun ways to loop around your point uh, and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, theater free radical in university and then uh, you probably heard from the others that we all went to the school together at mm -hmm. uh, George Brown College. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where I sort of looped on in with all of these guys. Yeah. And so you were... You were there at the beginning of Sex T-Rex with, with Callahan? Uh, yeah, I was yeah. certainly by Callahan I was mm -hmm. there. I technically am not a founding member of <laughs> okay. Sex T-Rex. Okay, so uh, they did one improv show. No, they did like a, like a couple of weeks of Sex T-Rex uh -huh. without my... <laughs> <laughs> and then Sean started performing with them yeah. like very, very, very early But on. this was way back in the baby baby mm -hmm. days of Sex T-Rex when we were just doing improv. When it was still Sexual Tyrannosaurus. Mm -hmm. still Sexual Tyrannosaurus and not Sex T-Rex. Mm -hmm. We hadn't made that connection yet. Yeah. Uh, because I remember being in Montreal and mm. seeing you guys at the Fringe for All doing a excerpt from from Callahan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'd never seen anything. I think my whole group when we were there with the uh, mm. silent film show, and okay. we were we saw you guys do it. We were like, holy shit! Because <laughs> we'd never seen that kind of physical work, and we were like. That would have been the like it was like a movie trailer kind of thing. Yeah, we yeah. spent so yeah. long working on that movie trailer, and has oh. not like none of those things are in our show. But it didn't, it didn't matter because yeah. it was slick and it was it was awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the year I was. We were there, and there was a Japanese group of yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah and they they I've, they've since been there. Mm -hmm. We've seen them do other stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys went to school with everybody from Sex T Rex, but how did yeah. you? Um, how did, like what was the Why? what did they bring you in for did they yeah well uh, like they always wanted to do long form mm -hmm. improv uh, and I, I still remember seeing them for the first time which I think was the first sexy Rex show that they ever did uh, which was back when it was Colin Munch and Robin Toller and Julian and Connor, Connor. Um, and they did uh, what did they get they got as a, they got a like a movie as a suggestion and the mm -hmm. movie that they got uh, which, which is a thing that we still do in improv the movie that they got was A League of Their Own uh, and so they like uh, spitballed on that for a little bit and it became a like World War II thing was what they latched onto it was like oh it was during World War II right uh, so they did this World War II League of Their Own uh, set and afterwards I, I remember watching that and being like man that looks like fun I want to do that <laughs> Uh, and then I forget who it was that approached me. It was probably Julian because he was the one I knew best at the time, uh, who basically said that they wanted to have me on board as like kind of like a narrator for mm -hmm. the uh, the improv stuff because I didn't have I don't have an improv background. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I don't have any formal improv training or anything like that. But I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons for a really long time. <laughs> there's a lot that you can take yeah. out of Dungeons and Dragons. It's, there's yeah. so much crossover. Yeah. I mean, it's very Improv, D&D, it's like there's it's yeah. the same thing with, without an audience. So mm. I had been playing D&D with Julian uh, for a while at that point, I think. Mm, nope. No, is that was that before? Oh no, you're right. Yeah. We did. We were doing that in theater school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. we were playing Agua. Uh, and, right, and I forgot about so that. Julian knew that I had this sort of like uh, story weaving quality from that, and he was like, "We just want you to basically like get on, get in the improv with us, and make sure that the story makes some kind of sense." Mm. Uh, which is, I feel is still basically my role in the mm. uh, Sexy Rex's improv stuff. Uh, so that was kind of how I was first brought on, and and probably why I'm the script guy nowadays. Yeah. Well, you guys have to go soon to yeah. do uh, Dungeon D and D live. Oh yeah, we we have to be there in an hour. Yeah. Uh, um, I have a couple of questions about D and D live. Yeah, sure. And that is, um, when you when you 
because I think that I've seen D&D Live in a couple of other cities, but when did it come to you guys as something that you wanted to do, like as yeah. an improv thing in front of a, an audience? Mm. It wasn't originally a Sexy Rec show. Right. Uh, we took it over. Mm. Um, it's... It, yeah, D&D started as a bad dog show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember how long ago it was now that it would have started, uh, but it was like 2012. Like seven years ago? No, it wasn't that long ago. Might have been. Might have been. 2012 is my guess. My guess, anyway. I think longer, because we did five... There were four versions before. Oh, yeah, because they weren't necessarily <laughs> annually, either. But oh, like, okay, uh, right. But there were... Uh, it, it started as this show that was pitched uh, by a couple of comedians at, at Bad Dog and I was roped into it because people knew that I was a nerd that played D&D. Uh, so I got involved in it to be the dungeon master mm-hmm. from sort of the ground floor. And a producer. And I was one of the producers, yeah, yeah as well. Um, from the first edition. Yeah, yeah. Um, and basically kind of like I, my involvement in that show grew every time we put on a new show. And actually by the time we did our second run of that show, and these, this was a bad dog run. So bad dog runs are like the show is on every, you know, Wednesday. This is back in the day when bad dog was company in residence at comedy Comedy bar Bar before they had their own space. So they had like when they had a few nights that they could program. Right. Yeah, so we did like Wednesday night shows and you'd do four weeks of a run and then it would be gone until maybe if it was good enough you would get it back. Mm -hmm. And we got it back the second time and pretty much the cast that we have now is very similar to the cast of that second run of the show Mm -hmm. which would have been I think 2013 that that happened so four years ago at least so we've been doing this show for quite a long time Mm -hmm. especially in the world of improv like kind of unheard of that anything lasts that long yeah especially in terms of something that's like a narrative show and not like a game show or something like that because sean and i toured all through this time and we would only be in town for short little spurts yeah um so the show kind of lived around that there was one time they produced it without us Mm -hmm. well actually i had nothing to do with it except that i was sort of a shadow producer and i like would make the poster and make the Mm -hmm. die and make the dice and make the this or that and watch every single show i was the biggest fangirl yeah uh but but, um yeah i mean we had seen shows the 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 live dnd shows in winnipeg and stuff like that that's because that's the first time that i came across it was like the late night there was a producer on the first iteration Mm -hmm. I don't think he worked with any of the other iterations of it but he was brought on because he was from Winnipeg right and had brought in some like it is a very different show from the Winnipeg show Mm -hmm. because we actually were guests on it in 2014 at the Fringe Festival Mm -hmm. there Um, so we got to see it firsthand. Uh, it's a very different show but he brought the idea of the giant die Mm -hmm. And brought the idea of a few elements because he was from Winnipeg and I had some affiliation with that show. Yeah. Um, so there is some definite crossover yeah. from the Winnipeg show. Um, there's there's a bunch of D and D shows across Canada and the states. And the as states, well. like, yeah. I know, like Critical Hit, I think, is the show in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, but and they all seem to do it slightly differently, which is kind of yeah. cool. The year that I was in Edmonton, there was a group. Yeah. That was, that was doing. They were in a BYRV at a movie theater, and they were doing... Yeah. and I think, They didn't know D&D as well as they probably should have, yeah. but, <clears throat> you know, people had fun. Yeah, and we, like, D&D Live, the, the Toronto show, is really not very deep into D&D lore. Like, there, there are probably, of the jokes that are going on, you're going to get, like, maybe a dozen D&D-based mm-hmm. jokes. There's a lot of general fantasy nerd right. jokes. There's a lot of... Like, one of our, our particular twists on the thing that I've never seen in, in other cities is that ours is set in Tirana. In Tirana, yeah. The, like, Trana. the fantasy yeah. realm of The Toronto. realm of Tirana. Yeah. <laughs> so there's kind of, like, you've got the built-in jokes about the city that right. are sort of tied into that, too. Uh, yeah, like, like, fourth right eds instead of honest eds. Mm-hmm. And you have, um, you have the Sky Dome, which is this dome that floats in the air. You and you have Finance Mountains, <laughs> which is... Yeah, you know Bay Street basically, yeah. Um, yeah. where the where the dwarves work to generate, mm-hmm. you know, valuable resources out of these mountains, and the one of them has like a weird little TD box on the top of the mountains. Yeah, the dwarves from the southern Hammer Town. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah, and there's yeah. the mists of Saga yeah. and the, the scarred nice, burrows yeah. and the like outlying yeah, regions yeah, yeah. of the yeah. realm of Tirana as well that are incorporated in the show, mm-hmm. and it used to be the town of Orc, until mm-hmm. it was. 
the orcs were were dominant. Like the orcs right. lost a great war, and so there's so, all these like pun games course, that yeah. you can play in there. You know, there's the, the there's this con. Um, who is the the leader of the orcs, and his name is is Kondo, mm-hmm. and he is slowly taking back the realm of Tirana <laughs> uh, for the orcs. And there's you know these 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 ideas. Now, are these are... things that sort of just sort of like happened over time as this was going on? Are they improvised, or did you like plan to a, do these? A lot of these are written jokes, yeah. uh, that we like bring into the shows. Some uh, of them are are spontaneous and then get written in, and yeah, some of them are spontaneous and like, uh, but D and D live like. In its first iteration, there was a lot of like planning that went into it. We had a whole like Bible of like these are all the locations, mm. and these are all the quests that can happen. But this was early in my experience working with non sexy Rex improvisers, mm. and we're like, oh, they won't use any of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this was but, again like five years ago, yeah. and and now we still have that Bible, um, but it's a lot looser. Yeah, it's much it's much more of just sort of like a fun improv show now, and the main lead in is that like. I mean, we've got a great cast, and these characters are the same characters every month, mm-hmm. uh, every monthly show. And the sort of the Dungeons and Dragons hook is that like the characters are persistent and they grow and they have these stories and they have these like backstories and like they can die and come back because it's magic because mm-hmm. it's Dungeons and Dragons and it's got this sort of like soap operatic flow. Right. But uh, that being said, like it's not a show that's been running in this same storyline for this mm-hmm. uh, for the four years. No, like, this but but the, this iteration like. Um, when we moved, Bad Dog moved into the new space, we said like, hey, do you want to co-produce this show or can we produce this show? And they're like, take it, take mm. it. Yeah, take it. Nice. And the first few times we ran it, it was kind of rough and we had, you know, 10 people in the audience. But we've since built um, a shorthand with the performers who aren't normal sex directors. And mm-hmm. like sex directs largely plays a supporting role in this show, um, except for Connor and Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone else just supports mm-hmm. like Julian and I support the show um, and it's since become a, a sexy Rex mm-hmm. produced yeah. show yeah nice. largely yeah yeah but it's something that we like uh, we see continuing to grow from where it is mm-hmm. and like every month it tends to get stronger and it's only the audience has out. built the audience yeah. has grown now now it's got a steady. Are you seeing a lot of regulars who are coming back? Yeah. Yes, more yeah. and more. It's and that's nice. the thing, and, and they, we knew they, it. They we knew know. like the beginning. It was like we just got to hold out. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things that like it's a good show and it's a good format, and it takes a lot to get. Like we all kind of grew up as nerds. Mm-hmm. Connor will say he didn't, but mm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we we all grew up as nerds, and and there's something that I understand to be true is that like it takes a while to earn that trust, mm-hmm. but once you have it, it's loyal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it's taken us a while to build our audience, but now we have a really great audience, and there's like yeah, yeah. there are about twenty people that come every show. Nice, and it's a sixty seat audience, and then the rest of it is friends of those people or people who are trying mm-hmm. it out for the first time, and we're 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 basically selling out. Nice. Now every month, and we don't even have to try because of that loyalty. Nice, and yeah. and I we've think we've got a built-in like board game night that happens after every show, which That's is awesome. great. So there's so like a social yeah. social thing, and hear what they have to say about the show, and it's it's always amazes me how much they know about the plot <laughs> stuff like, we've forgotten. <laughs> We gotta really yeah. start a like blog. Or we something. really do, yeah. But like this, the show is not is entirely made up. But yeah, like Sean was saying, there are aspects that are are every every month mm. the same. And one of those things is the map. Yeah. Like we have this map that is in the book that we hand out to our audience every every month, and it's basically just a map of Toronto with things renamed to mm. be like all the dales are there as an elven homeland so Parkdale is Rosedale and these places are all where the elves are from Riverdale or mm-hmm. all where the elves are from and and yeah and and that that is the same there are things mm-hmm. that are always the same but it's it does change it, it does change a lot month yeah, to month still a, still an improv show so <laughs> very 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 much an improv show in spite of the like locations being more or less set mm-hmm. yeah awesome. well I'm thank you guys so much for, for talking yeah, to me yeah, thanks, thanks for, for coming us. by yeah.